Hey guys, this is Parker Meadows and this is the Road to Detroit podcast. You're on the Road to Detroit, the podcast. Here's your host, Dan Hasty. Road to Detroit, episode five. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. Episode four last week was West Michigan. Now we jump up a full level of the minor leagues. We're going right to double A Erie. And why not? Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Alex Fiedo, they're all there. The big arms in this system, a ton of them are at Erie. So we focus on the Erie Seawolves on road to Detroit. Episode five, it's all about Erie. Coming up later on in this show, Alex Fiedo will join us, the Tigers' number nine prospect. He's strung together some really good starts over the course of the past six weeks. The former Florida Gator, obviously the College World Series is going on right now. His Florida Gator is no longer involved, but I can guarantee you, when you've had the kind of success that Alex Fiedo's had in the College World Series, you're probably watching every game of the College World Series. So we'll see how much Alex has been keeping up on the goings-on in Omaha. We'll also talk to Mike Rebello, the Erie Seawolves manager. So rewind four years. Mike Rebello was in Connecticut in 2016. Then he got the jump to West Michigan. He won over 90 games, gave them one of the best seasons they've had in franchise history. Then he went up another level, got the job in Lakeland as the manager there. And now here in 2019, he's moved up to double-A Erie. So not bad for four years in the minor leagues as a manager. Spent a couple of years in Connecticut, but the last four seasons, he's jumped up a level every single year. So Mike Rebello will join us in just a little bit. And Greg Gagne, the broadcaster for the Seawolf. But it's all coming up on this week's episode of Road to Detroit. This will be a fun one. We get to focus on the outstanding arms in AA Erie. It's been a rotation that every Tiger fan has been paying attention to. And obviously, it's been a little bit worrisome over the course of the last week. We'll talk about the Casey Mize injury. Left his game with some shoulder inflammation. So how serious is that? How much concern should there be? We'll talk to the manager. We'll talk to one of his teammates. We'll talk to the radio voice. We'll see if we can get some clarity on just what this means for Casey Mize and for the Tigers the rest of this season. It's all in this edition of Road to Detroit. Let's get on the on-ramp. Over to West Michigan, the Whitecaps finished a struggling first half. They finished the first half 21-48. and They won one out of three on the road against Dayton before dropping a pair of games at home to the South Bend Cubs. Whitecaps are 2-12 and in the month of June. The All-Star break could not come at a better time for West Michigan. They'll get back underway on Thursday as they take on the Lake County Captains. That's the Cleveland Indians minor league affiliate. Ironically, as the major league club, the Tigers are in town to play the Cleveland Indians this weekend in Ohio. On the plus side, Wenzel Perez, the Tigers' number 11 prospect, hit 275, five doubles, a triple, and a homer in his last 10. All of this coming after hitting under the 200 mark through his first 37 games. So that batting average starting to tick up a little bit. He certainly needs to keep it up because he started the season so slowly. He had over 300 with the Whitecaps at the end of last year in just a very short sample size. And I think people had high expectations for what Wenzel Perez could be to start 2019. On the other plus side with his defense, he's starting to play a little bit better at shortstop. He was making errors on balls hit right to him. We talked to Lance Parrish about this in last week's edition of Road to Detroit. And I've seen over the course of the last seven to 10 days, him starting to make that play on a ball hit right to him. So again, it sounds simple, but 
if he can make those plays, considering the other plays he can make, now all of a sudden you have a pretty well-rounded defensive player, and you can see why the Tigers might still see him as their shortstop down the line. Ulrich Boyarski, the lone all-star nominee for West Michigan, he's been mashing. He leads West Michigan in just about every single offensive category, including the triple crown numbers, hitting around 320, including a pair of doubles and two home runs in his last 10 games, made him the youngest Whitecap to ever notch double-digit home runs in the first half. That's Whitecap's history. So congratulations to Ulrich Boyarski, just 20 years old. So he's firmly put himself on the prospect map. Let's head down to Lakeland. The Flying Tigers struggled over the last couple of days, lost three games against Daytona from June 10 to 12th. They had their last game canceled. They did have the all-star game. Lakeland pitcher Tarek Skubal, the Tigers' top 20 prospect, and D.H. Brady Policelli, who is starting to climb his way into the prospect picture after a solid year in West Michigan last season, but has taken it to another level here in 2019. Tarek tossed a shutout inning in the All-Star game. No hits, two strikeouts. That's a good sign. 62 strikeouts this year for Tarek Skubal, a 3-3-3 ERA. Last time out, six innings, two hits, eight strikeouts. As for Palacelli, one for three. He actually started in the All-Star game. Impressive first half, 255 batting average, seven homers, 12 stolen bases, 30 runs batted in. To give you an idea, last year, Palacelli hit seven home runs and had 28 RBIs. He's already matched all those numbers in one half of play here in 2019. A couple of pitchers, lefty Max Green, a 141 ERA, 18 games, 18 strikeouts, and Vladimir Pinto, who racked up a ton of strikeouts with West Michigan last year, has brought down his ERA. And considering we're talking about a 21-year-old, the numbers are really good for Pinto. He could probably be a candidate to move at some point within the next few weeks. Last year with West Michigan, get a load of these numbers. He did not allow a run in 16 and two-thirds innings. He gave up just four base hits, but he struck out 30. This year in Lakeland, he's brought his ERA down over four full runs. He struggled with the Flying Tigers last year, a 675 ERA. Well, this year, a 273 earned run average. 26 and a third innings, he's allowed just 14 hits. So now he's bringing down that opponent batting average against, and he struck out 37 batters. So that's well more than a strikeout per inning. We've seen when he's right, that's exactly the kind of numbers he's been putting up. So again, at just 21 years old, Vladimir Pinto is doing big things for the Lakeland Flying Tigers. Meanwhile, Cody Clemens in a bit of a slump, 176 at the plate in his last 10, four runs batted in, but certainly with Cody Clemens, we know that he has those stretches where he tends to get very hot at the plate. He was our best in class just a couple of shows ago. So we'll see when Cody Clemens is able to get things back on track. Let's go to the focus of this edition of Road to Detroit. It's the Erie Seawolves. They won two out of four at Reading before coming home to win one out of two with Hartford, a series that was originally scheduled to be four games, but a couple of rainouts changed those plans. Obviously, Casey Mize was the headlining story. He's been outstanding this year, 8-0 with a 0.92 ERA across two different levels, but just two and a third innings. Gave up a hit, two strikeouts before leaving the game, and he had all of Tiger's Twitter officially in a panic. Well, it was announced after the fact 
minor shoulder inflammation, placed on the seven-day injured list. We'll see how patient and how careful the Tigers decide to be with him. You know, it's your number one prospect. I wouldn't be surprised if the Tigers decided to wait as long as they felt comfortable to make sure that everything checked out okay with Casey Mize. We'll obviously talk to some of the guys in the area and get their take on that injury, what the situation is, what they noticed, what Casey Mize is going through, maybe just to get a feel on when they believe Casey Mize will be back on the mound for the Tigers AA team. Matt Manning, Tigers number two prospect, the most recent recipient of Tigers Minor League Player of the Month, continues to put up good numbers at Erie. 2.35 ERA this season and 13 starts. His numbers are right up there with not only some of the best in Erie or the Eastern League, but the best in minor league baseball. 91 strikeouts. That's tied for fourth in all of minor league baseball. Opponents are batting 184. That's fourth overall in minor league baseball. His walks plus hits per inning, very important number, under one at 0.95. Matt Manning's putting up the numbers he needs to put up in all of those important areas. He's having a lot of success in Erie. The man we'll talk to in just a few moments, Alex Fayedo, over his past four starts, 32 strikeouts, the most in the Eastern League, while holding the fourth lowest ERA at 169, sixth lowest batting average, 176. Again, Fayedo starting to turn a corner. We'll get his thoughts on what has clicked for him here in 2019. You know, there was a lot of expectations, and he was such a highly regarded player coming out of college. You remember when he put up that outstanding performance in the College World Series for Florida, becoming the College World Series MVP just a couple of years ago. So he came into the Tigers system with all kinds of people keeping an eye on him. And over the course of his first year and a half, wasn't exactly, I think, what people expected, but now he's He's starting to find some success in double-A. So, again, better late than never. And Fiedo, who certainly needed to have something click, has been delivering for the Erie Seawolves. We'll talk to him in just a little bit. Last but not least, let's head over to Toledo. The Toledo Mudhens swept in a three-game series in Durham before taking two of three at home against Norfolk. Victor Reyes continues his hot hitting, batting 450 with five homers in his last 10, a six-game hit streak. Dustin Peterson showing some signs he always hit in the Atlanta Braves system. 270 with five homers in his last 10. Meanwhile, Jake Rogers, the Tigers' number 16 prospect, hitting 167 in his last 10, did have a home run the other night. Willie Castro has started to come back down to earth a little bit. He had a batting average well over 350, but he's hitting 211 in his last 10. Still hitting 316 with a 400 OPP. So again, we're nitpicking when it comes to Willie Castro. He's been outstanding in 2019. Carlton. Long look in again, deals, 3-2 pitch, swung on, in the air, left field, Derek Hill is there, ball game, no hitter. The Seawolves take down the Bay Sox 4-0, Alex Fiedo and Drew Carlton combine on a no hitter this afternoon here at UPMC Park. I'll tell you what, here in 2019, all eyes have been on the Erie Seawolves, and for good reason. The Tigers' top prospect and their number two prospect, Casey Mize and Matt Manning, respectively, have both been making a home at the front end of the Erie Seawolves rotation. As we sit here giving you this edition of Road to Detroit, Erie comes in at a record of 31-32. and 32. Then you add in Alex Fiedo, who's in that rotation as well. That is a sick rotation in Erie. 
And they've just struggled to find timely hitting this year. Jake Rogers was one of their best offensive players. He's now earned his way up to Toledo. So right now, Jose Azokar leads the bunch. He's hitting 290 at the plate. Isaac Paredes, so far, just three home runs this year, hitting 266, but still just 20 years old. He had a really good year in Lakeland last year and hit 15 home runs between high A and double A in 2018. So we'd expect to see the power continue to tick up. He's had double-digit home runs in each of his last two minor league seasons. And Cam Gibson's hitting 255 at the plate, a team-high 11 stolen bases. Did you hear Cam Gibson on the Fox Sports Detroit broadcast with his father, Kirk Gibson? They celebrated the Father's Day broadcast at Comerica Park when the Tigers played the Indians. Outstanding back and forth between Cam Gibson and Kirk Gibson. Well, we know who's had success on the mound for Erie. It's the big three. It's Casey Mize, Matt Manning, and Alex Fiedo. Any other names that have gotten off to good starts this year? Drew Carlton, probably 131 innings, just 23 base hits against him, 38 strikeouts. He has a 174 ERA. Ethan DeCaster has been really good in 2019. We talked about him on one of the previous Road to Detroit's. With Erie this year, a 0.59 ERA. He was drafted this time last year. So he's been only in the Tiger system for about a year now. But Ethan DeCaster is still in Erie, 24-year-old right-hander. Combined numbers this year of 2-0, and a 149 ERA. He doesn't walk anybody. 36 and a third innings, two walks. Two. He's hit as many batters as he's walked here in 2019. 42 strikeouts to go along with it. I think if the Tigers needed somebody in their bullpen quick, I think Ethan DeCaster has clearly proven that he can have success at just about every single minor league level. He's had success everywhere. I think it's just a matter of time before he gets his call to Detroit. One thing we've noticed about Erie is the fact that they've had a lot of low-scoring games this year, and that's to be expected. If the team has a record under 500 and three of their pitchers are guys like Casey Mize, Matt Manning, and Alex Fiedo, you'd expect that the offense has not exactly done what I think the Tigers have hoped for them to do here this year. But even regardless of all that, the Erie Seawolves have the best record among any team in the Tigers minor league system. They're 31 and 32, and obviously they have the big guns at the front end of that rotation to help continue to give them some momentum, especially as they try to make the playoffs in the second half. The Road to Detroit podcast continues. Well, Alex Fiedo was the Tigers' first round pick in 2017. A lot of Tigers fans excited to see him even there at their selection. And then all he did was go out and become the most outstanding player of the College World Series. Alex joins us now. Alex, how are you? I'm doing well, Dan. Thanks for having me. All right. So I know in a lot of minor league clubhouses, all the guys watch the College World Series, but not every clubhouse has a guy who led his college team to win the whole thing. Alex Fiedo started at Florida and led his team to the College World Series as the 2017 Most Outstanding Player. How much do you watch of what's going on in Omaha? And do teammates ever give you a hard time considering how much success you had there? <laughs> I try to watch it. Um, I try to watch all the games. Um, I think it's a really special event. They do a great job putting it on, so I'm always trying to keep up. And uh, I think sometimes I get asked questions and stuff about uh, the tournament, and then I start to get roasted a little bit because then I start talking about it and I start going down memory lane a little bit. It's pretty funny, but I uh, guys are always messing with me about it. But it's uh, it's all in good fun. Have you ever had a moment when you're watching somebody dominate the College World Series, and all of a sudden it hits you? Wait a minute. The Tigers drafted him. We might actually be teammates at some point. Cody Clemens was in there last year. Oh, yeah, with Cody, yeah, last year. So we played Cody. I, I was trying to think about this year. I was like, I don't remember anyone being with him. 
yeah, watching Cody was pretty cool because it was exciting. He started to go off at the end of the year, and he was hitting all those home runs, and he was getting all the all the highlights and stuff. So, I mean, I became a big Cody Clemens fan. Uh, you know, excited to have him as a teammate. And then we ended up playing him uh the University of Florida. So I kind of had like a a little like love-hate for him at the end of the year in that last game um for Texas. I believe it was the last game for Texas, but it was uh, really cool. And, uh I mean, I was supporting him, so I guess that was uh, a cool experience. You're one of a number of talented pitchers that have come from that school. The Florida Gators have produced guys like A.J. Puck and Brady Singer. What have the Gators figured out about pitching that other teams haven't figured out quite yet? Yeah, I mean, also we have another Detroit Tiger that was drafted um, out of the University of Florida. We have Logan Shore. Uh, He was our ace for three years. Um, I got to play with him for two years. But um, I think, honestly, they do a great job over there with recruiting, getting really talented players and – you know, trying to make or not trying to make sure, but trying to, you know, get guys to come to school and worry about their education, developing instead of just going to the draft right away out of high school. And I think once we, we started to have that, it kind of just had a snowball effect. And then you had the guys like Shore and Puck, who I felt like got to groom me. And then I, I was kind of older and I could try to help Brady. And now Brady's help was helping the other guys. And it's just kind of the snowball effect to keep you um, having a good, uh, rotation of guys up there on the pitching staff. It's almost strange to not see the Gators at this point of the College World Series. All right, so take me to April 24th. You throw seven innings in a no-hitter as the Seawolves beat Bowie. Congrats to you on that, by the way. Casey Mize goes and throws one himself. So why does Casey have to steal your spotlight like that? I guess is my question. Yeah, yeah how selfish of him, right? <laughs> no, but uh, that was awesome. I, it was really cool to have a team, uh, the team no-hitter because uh, Drew started to finish off, or he finished off the eighth and ninth, and that was awesome. I just felt like that was a big team accomplishment. We get Casey, everyone's super excited to have him up here. We knew we were going to have him at some point in the year, and then we were all eager to see how he would do. Um, I, I got to see him in college. He was a, a great pitcher, a great competitor. He had that first outing in Altoona, and, I mean, it was just something special right away. I mean, I, I've got to see him, the way he worked and stuff in spring training, so I could just tell how dialed in he was and ready for the moment, and it was just it was a really special night for him. And I felt like even though – it was a little bit different, and he got to do it all, um, you know, by himself. I guess to say, being the only pitcher out there, but it, it felt like such a another team victory that we had, where everyone was so excited and bought in for him, and it was just a really special moment. It was now. In terms of the styles you guys have, you and Casey Mize are very different. I mean, you're a fastball slider kind of guy, whereas Casey has a couple different pitches. And I think the mentality, though, is still something that you guys probably share. What kind of things have you been able to learn from one another since he's gotten up to your level in Erie? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I, I hope that we're both, uh, you know, helping each other out slowly. Uh, we're just we're just starting to get used to each other being teammates. It was sad that. He uh, went down, but we'll see him back up here pretty soon. But I think, um, I mean, Casey's got a, a few more pitches than I do. Um, I think um, just things that we kind of share, um, we do the same is I think we're both very competitive and we, we don't go out there and try to pitch, pitch selfishly. We go out there and we uh, try our best to attack the strike zone, uh, try to get through as many innings as we can and uh, win baseball games for the team. Seriously, you're having your best season since the Tigers drafted you. Quick look at the numbers, a 370 ERA in 12 games. I love the fact that you have just 11 walks in 12 games, 65 innings, 82 strikeouts, which is way up from last year. What changes have you made to help turn that corner? Um, maybe just a, 
I mean, hopefully I can keep that up. But uh, I think you know, going into your first full season, it's a it's a it's a tough transition, which makes things like what Casey's doing right now so um, special. But because um, it's hard, I mean, college baseball, especially in the SEC, was was a good challenge and it was tough and all. But the pro baseball season's a lot different. Throwing on every five days, um, you have the long bus rides. You got it's just a different atmosphere completely. And so I think it's just kind of a learning curve and. I think maybe having an extra year of experience, um, especially this being, uh, I got a little bit of time last year in Erie. So coming back up here, trying to kind of, I kind of had experience and, um, you know, felt a little bit more comfortable maybe coming up here and uh, hopefully it uh, just, you know, all works out. You mentioned the bus rides. Are they any different this year considering your manager is Mike Rabello? Uh, I mean, the bus rides are, he he does a good job of keeping everyone loose, and we're having fun on the bus rides and stuff. But I mean, just uh, you know, we we got long bus rides, so you know, guys are you're getting achy and stuff like that because you know you're sitting on a bus for ten hours. But it's all part of the you know minor league uh, lifestyle. If you throw out the start that you had shortened by rain, you've struck out ten or more in three of your last five starts. Talk to me about velocity. We notice that guys have it fluctuate all the time. I mean, Matt Manning's fastball was eighty-nine to ninety-one when he started in West Michigan. How hard are you throwing these days, and how are you feeling from a physical standpoint? Uh, I'm not sure, honestly. I mean, I feel like the radar guns aren't always right up on the scoreboards, and I try not to look into it too much. Um, I think uh, I think my ball definitely has a little bit more life on it this year than last year. Um, I just think that's due to having a you know a normal off season. Um, you know, just also you know knowing kind of how spring training was going to affect my body, stuff like that. Just being a little bit more prepared. So I think I just did a better job at knowing what to what was going to be ahead. And then um, my body feels great. I think uh, after the last time I pitched, it was the first time and I don't know how long where I was like, wow, my body doesn't feel very sore at all anywhere. So, I mean, I think that just comes with having a great training staff and uh, strength and conditioning staff, you know, doing, uh, you know, helping me out and helping everyone out as much as they can um, with lifting and then the shoulder program, all that, making sure um, everyone's feeling good. I'm glad you mentioned preparation. You know, everyone's training regimen is different, and you said it was helpful to get a full off season. What kind of things did you go through to get ready for this year? I'm I'm always trying to get stronger, trying to eat better and uh, get my body in better shape all year round. But I think also I just needed to learn how to get my body to move the right way. I think I'd, I it really it was very beneficial for me to uh, not only try to lift heavier and get stronger, but also try to you know groove patterns in my body of movement so I could be more flexible flexible and then be able to use my body the right way. All right, Alex. Well, congratulations on a good start to 2019. Very excited to see all the progress you've made. One of the Tigers' top prospects, Alex Vieto, joining us here on the road to Detroit. Thanks, bud. Yeah, thank you for having me. You know, you look at all the different levels. There's so many levels in the minor league system. And I got wondering one day, which one's the toughest? And Jim Leland, I asked him, I said, what's the hardest level to jump to? And he said, the hardest level to jump to is from high A to double A. Because typically the most talented players all end up going through double A. They don't always go through triple A. Because sometimes guys get the call from double A straight to the major leagues. But the go from high A to double A, he said, if you can play in double A, you can play in the big leagues. Simple as that. So, again, that's why I don't put too much stock into if a guy's struggling at AAA, for example. If you had success in AA, you can have success in the major leagues. And if a guy like Jim Leland thinks it, I'm cool thinking that too. 
Mike Rabello, the manager now in Erie with the Seawolves. This is a guy who started in Connecticut, managed a couple of years, but over the past four seasons has gone Connecticut, West Michigan, Lakeland, and Erie. Mike Rabello joins us now on Road to Detroit. First of all, well done. You've moved up a lot in a very short stretch. It's been a busy time for you. Yes, uh, different households each summer the last four years, and uh, it's been exciting. You know, I, I get to see uh, some of these young players since day one, and I see it right now, and now some of them are start to, starting to filter their way up to the big league. So it, it's exciting for me on, on a personal level. You mentioned different households. How's that been for your wife, Aaron, and your two daughters? Uh, well, my daughters think it's cool because they get to do, you know, airplanes, and, you know, they're, they're still in the, the honeymoon phase of the grind. They <laughs> love it, though, running around, mascots, bubble gum, baseball fields. <laughs> so it's the only thing they really know because we've been doing this since, you know, before they were born. But uh, my wife, she's great. She holds down the fort in Tampa, and uh, she likes to travel. And uh, fortunately, her, her job, she you know, she can pick times to come up here and there. And uh, But she's the one that does all the – she does all the work. I sent her a happy uh, – father's day gift because even though she's not a father she pretty much works just as hard as one yeah no kidding so happy father's day to aaron <laughs> all right let's talk about erie your early impressions now you've been there for a couple of months yeah it's uh you know it's as advertised it's cold real cold uh windy and uh, I, I think that could be said for most of the eastern league with you know maybe the exception of richmond um it's tough it's a tough league it really is and uh the pitching is a lot better you know, the, the level play is just a lot better. And, uh, you know, the guys can smell it, man. They're close to the big leagues. They can smell it. And it's 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 a, a grind every day. You know, I keep using that word grind, but it is a grind. I remember one time I asked Jim Leland, I said, what's the hardest jump in the minor leagues? Like, what level to what level? And he said it was going from high A to double A. He thinks if you can play in double A, you can play in the big leagues. Why is it so different in double A than it is in high A? I mean, asking a guy who's managed in both levels over the past two years. I think, and I, I agree 100%, and I remember hearing this as a player, you know, what Jim has said. But I think this is the first level you get to where now you're crossing paths with guys that have played in the big leagues, a lot of minor league free agents. That, so these guys have been around. You know, they've accumulated a lot of dirt in their spikes. You start facing, you know, really for the most part, older guys. And then you mix in, you know, your super prospects, you know, your young, you know, your Mannings and your Mises and, you know, and other teams as well. And you just have this batch of really good baseball players, and they are all, it's like the Hunger Games, man. They're all fighting for the same thing. You know, you mentioned these big arms in your rotation. Uh, we've just talked to Alex Fiedo. Let's start with him. What's worked for Alex Fiedo this year? You know, he, uh, he's had a good year. His fastball command is a little better than last year. His slider's a little tighter, and his changeup, he's got a power change. You know, it's funny, I just did his, his uh, mid-season evaluation uh, the other day with MJ, and I'm looking at his numbers now, and uh, he's having a solid spring. He's got a 3-7, or solid, you know, solid summer, 3-7, he's 4-4. Four four. Less hits than any pitch, and more strikeouts than any pitch. And one thing about Alex, man, this dude competes. You know, it's easy to say about any player, but he is not scared to go up there and take his fastball against any hitter at any count, any point in the game. And I, I like that. I respect that, and uh, I'm a big fan of Alex. Take me into that midseason evaluation. I mean, numbers are numbers. We all have access to the same statistics. But what other questions need to be answered in those types of evaluations? Well, it's not so much questions. It's what do I see? What is he 
improved on, what needs improvement. You know, and I know they're working on his extension to the plate. Now, this is more of MJ's MJ's uh, thing, but his extension, you know, getting the ball out of his hand a little closer to the hitter. His fastball command is a lot better. You know, 11 walks. Um, and his strikeouts are high. So right there, that, that, that's telling me something. Like, he doesn't walk guys, he strikes guys out. So that means he has, you know, of his fastball, his slider, and his changeup. They've got to be pretty good if you're punching out more more hitters than any pitch. So, you know, compared to last year's numbers, man, this is a, a huge jump. You know, it's a huge increase for Alex. This year, 82 strikeouts and 65 innings for Alex Fiedo. Some of the other pitchers, we'll get to Casey Mize in a second, but I'm kind of curious about your view of Matt Manning. You've now had him for parts of the last three years. From where you first saw him, which was spring training in 2017 and then in West Michigan, up to now, what's changed with Matt Manning? Everything. Everything. And I, I say this every time. You know, one of my bosses or, or somebody asked about him, I said, every time this guy pitches, he does something better, whether it's feeling his position, holding runners, throwing a breaking ball and a fastball count, doubling up on a breaking ball, doubling up on a changeup, every single time. And I've said this since West Michigan. And uh, this kid is special. I mean, he's big, physical, and he's got three really good pitches. Casey Mize, I heard you called him professional after a ball game he pitched recently. We talked to him about his mentality to win every pitch. How advanced is he as a thinker on the mound? Oh, man. He, uh, yeah, he almost acts like he's way older than what he is. You know, I'll just hear him talking to some other pitchers in the dugout about an opposing hitter. I'm like, oh, wow. You know? And he doesn't forget anything. I've noticed it. He can give up a Measly single, you know, in the third inning with two outs in April. And he doesn't forget what pitch, you know, who it was, the situation. And uh, he acts older than what, you know, his age says. I have to ask you about the flare-up with Casey Mize's shoulder in his last start. He goes two and a third innings before you have to take him out. I know you've got one of the best trainers in minor league baseball in T.J. Obergefell, but what's the latest on the health of Casey Mize? Well, I know uh, he went to uh, Pensacola to get his film reviewed, but I think it's just uh, shoulder soreness. I know it's kind of like a hockey uh, explanation. It's uh, just shoulder. It was more precautionary than anything else. You've worked with a lot of pitchers. You know, in terms of you know Casey Mize, people said his velocity was down in that game. How concerned were you when you had to take him out, and what's your level of concern like now? Oh, man, very concerned. You know, you got to felt like I had a golf ball in my throat. You know, after the game, I've never been so popular in my life with the phone calls. Um, but I, things are a lot better. I think it was, you know, his impingement or uh, super spinatus. I don't really know. You'd have to talk to the best trainer in the world, T.J. Obergefell. But I don't think it's anything uh, serious. He right now is getting back from, uh, I think he's in Pensacola. And I'll know more, you know, moving forward. I'm sure T.J. knows. But um, I don't think it's anything that serious. Road to Detroit podcast, Mike Rabello joins us, the manager of the Erie Seawolves on this Erie Seawolves-centric version of RTD. I always like to say that you were part of the 2006 Tigers AL championship team, mainly because you played in exactly... (laughs) Yeah, you had one game, which was your first big league game. You batted one time, but you're a smart guy, so I'm sure you can tell me a lot about that particular day. Oh, yeah, I think we were... uh, So we were in Kansas City... We were up like 20 to 2 or something. 
I can't remember. It was a, it was a major blowout, and uh, they called down the bullpen. And I, uh, Lloyd McClendon was a bullpen coach at the time. He answered the phone, and it was funny because he was all I could hear was, "What? Are you kidding me? Are you sure?" All right. He hangs the phone up. He says, "Hey, kid, you know you're hitting in the DH spot next inning." So I ran, you know, ran to the dugout, and Leland, and he's the best. He goes, "Hey." You might be able to run up there and call your parents because they got on TV. So I ran upstairs calling. They didn't answer, but cause it, was, it was a little later. And, uh, you know, I went up to the plate, faced Jimmy Gobble. And I just felt like I was walking on air. And I had two good pitches that really, really – I put two good swings and two good pitches. And once it was 0-2, I'm like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so <laughs> I just remember I felt like I was walking on air. My spikes, when they were sinking into that perfect grass, it just felt like I was walking on air. Do players actually call their folks mid-game in a situation like that? Well, Leland gave me plenty of time. He told me, hey, run upstairs. You know, if you want to call your parents, go ahead. And You know, I gave him a call, and it just shows you, you know, he's a class act. You know, he knows that, you know, your first at bat means the world to any player. You know, we're all trying to get there. And it was cool. You know, I ran upstairs, grabbed the old flip phone, and called my parents. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Jim Leland, how much of an influence has he had on your managerial style? Oh, a lot. You know, he, he treats people like, like you'd want to be treated. You know, he's, that's why people always have good things to say about him. He realizes the game is hard. He's not a, a, a micromanager, and he lets guys play. And that's why you ask any player, they love playing for him. I love him. I love his personality. I love, I just, I love him. I always remember Jim Leland in his very first press conference. One of his mantras was, I treat every player the same, but I treat everybody different. One of my favorite sayings from you, having been with you in West Michigan, is that you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Where did you get that, and why is it so important to you? I don't even know where I got it, to be honest with you. But the minor leagues are very uncomfortable, you know, and you got to push through it. Everybody has gone through what these guys are going through, you know, I guess with the exceptions of, you know, uh, John O'Root and, and some of those guys. But for the most part, nowadays, everybody is going through the ladder. Some might do it quicker. Some might do it slower. Some might fall down here and there. But it is a grind. And there's a reason why the big leagues, you know, the, the, just everything, the lights, the, the field, the travel, the clubhouse, the fans, there's a reason why it is. That's, that's, you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and that's the major leagues. How have you changed as a manager since you've started? Um, I don't, you know, hang on the, the, you know, wins and losses. You know, I don't hang on the edge of my seat every time, you know, because I, I guess the older you get, you realize it's player development. And, you know, it's easy to say that now, but, you know, when the lights come on and the bell rings, man, every one of us competes. So, I've learned to shift gears a little bit more towards, okay, yeah, we should have won that game, but, you know, these are the things we did well. This is what's going to help this kid get better the next day and move forward and, you know, hopefully end up in the big leagues. So, Mike Rabello, Rabs, as he's known, spent 2017 in West Michigan, and I can tell you, while there, the bus rides were by far the most memorable parts of that season. I believe we held kangaroo court. You made everyone talk on the bus microphone. And if I remember right, there was karaoke on a handful of trips. Has that carried over to Erie? Yeah, it has. You know, some of the guys are older now, so they think they're, they're cooler. And, and I get on them all the time. I'm like, yeah, you guys were a lot more fun two, three years ago. But, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, these guys are still a wild bunch. You know, we got karaoke in the clubhouse now, and, you know, we got these longer bus rides in this league. So, 
you know, we still have a lot of shenanigans, you know, with, uh, you know, extracurricular activities when we're not on the field. Not as much, though. We don't do any couch jumps. We got a lot of stuff going on still. Uh, wouldn't expect anything less. Rabs, congrats on getting the gig in the area. Mike Rabello yeah. here on Road to Detroit. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, Dan. Thanks, buddy. It's now time for Best in Class. Last week, it was Tarek Skubal, and this week, we'll crown the newest Best in Class of all the players in the Tiger system. This one made the most noise. Our producer, Nate Wangler, you kind of went through a couple of these guys and looked through the Tiger system, correct? I did, and Dylan Rosa currently owns a 10-game hitting streak, three home runs in the past week with six RBIs overall. So his bat has really been coming around, and he's a strong guy, so no surprise to see him hitting with quite a bit of power. But he didn't win it, right? No, sir. He's an honorable mention. Not this week, anyway. Not this week, unfortunately. Dylan Rosa, you've been doing a great job. This week's winner of Best in Class is Jake Robson. The Toledo Mudhens takes it home. The 24-year-old native of Windsor, Ontario, has been unbelievable over the course of the last week, hitting 500 at the plate, 12 for his last 24. He was outstanding for Toledo last year, hit over 300, stole 18 bases between two levels, and had double-digit home runs for the first time in his minor league career. Got off to a bit of a slow start this year, but check this out. Ten games ago, Jake Robson's batting average was sitting at 203. Now it's nearly 250. That's what happens when you go 12 for 24 at the plate. You can up your batting average that quickly and that much. So Jake Robson, over the last week or so, he's had one, two, three, four, five multi-hit games, as well as a home run, five runs batted in. He's starting to swing like he means it, and all of a sudden, Jake Robson has put himself firmly in position to not only rescue his batting average here in 2019, but he put himself in position to take home a best-in-class. By the way, fun story about Jake Robson. He wanted to play hockey when he was younger. He went to Mississippi State and he played baseball, but growing up, he played more hockey than he played baseball. It was before scouts actually found him, and it's been a slow start in 2019 for him, but all of a sudden, he puts together a streak of five straight multi-hit games. That's going to get Jake Robson some confidence, and all of a sudden, you see the same player, the flashes of what you saw in 2018. Congrats to Jake Robson. He's this week's best in class. Road to Detroit continues. We talk to Erie Seawolves radio voice Greg Gania, veteran broadcaster now in his 15th season in minor league baseball, going on 10 years with the Erie Seawolves. Greg, thanks for coming on. And what a year for you guys. Maybe not in terms yet of wins and losses, but the talent you guys have is just off the charts. It's been pretty amazing to watch on a daily basis. Uh, we, we've been blessed with a ton of talent this year and like you said the wins and losses haven't come and I, I i i think that we are a little surprised that we haven't won more games um and it's just seemingly been one facet of the game each night that we can't put together um but overall i mean when you have the the, the three-headed monster of Mize, manning and fiedo going out you know three-fifths of your rotation it, you have a chance of watching something spectacular every single night at the ballpark and it's been a it's been a treat yeah, explain the craziness of having the number one overall pick on your roster. Uh, well, let's just put it this way. We knew it was going to be a big deal when Casey was coming up to Erie. Uh, and we're sitting there in Altoona during his first start. And as the innings continue to roll with no hits, I turned to my broadcast partner, Evan Giddings, and I said during a break, I'm like, if this actually happens, our lives in the next 72 hours are going to be completely overhauled. And sure enough, he threw the no-hitter, 
and really the next month was just pure craziness with media requests and autograph requests. I mean, and you name it, everybody wanted a piece of Casey Mize. Uh, and it's it's taken every bit and every ounce of energy that, that Evan and I have had to try and manage through that. Uh, and Casey's been great, and, and he's been gracious about it. But I, I think it even got to a point where he was overwhelmed with all the attention. Uh, and so, you know, just having him here, we knew it was going to be big. And then when he went out and did that in his first start, then it's like, oh, wow. We're talking to Greg Gania. We'd be doing a disservice in referring to Casey Mize if we didn't start with his injury. He was pulled after sure. two and a third innings. Right shoulder inflammation is what we've seen. Every Tigers fan wants to know, what can you share with us regarding the health of Casey Mize? Well, and again, you talk about a night where you just dread things like that happening. Casey, he just didn't look right. He looked okay in the first inning. Um his velocity was a little down that day. Second inning came out. It was a five-pitch second inning. Um, and so on paper, you're like, okay, that's pretty good. But the, some of the fly balls he had given up in that inning that ended up being outs, uh, you just were kind of scratching your head a little bit of like, what's going on here? And then the third inning, he just didn't look himself and threw one pitch to a batter uh, with one out in that inning and, and just kind of dropped his arm. And Kate Savick knew right away something was up. Uh, so he went running out to the mound. Uh, T.J. Obergefell, Mike Rebello, Mark Johnson, they all went out right away uh, and, and felt the best move was to pull him from that game. Um, I, I talked to Casey a couple of days ago. Uh, he is actually now down in Lakeland going through rehab. Um, he said to me that he doesn't expect to be down there very long. He felt much better. Um, I, I believe it was an, a, a nagging thing that he was pitching through. Uh, but again, when you have a guy like Casey Mize, who you've taken first overall and you've given a lot of money to, uh, it's not a guy you can toy around with. And so uh, they, they absolutely did the right thing. Uh, our, our team doc had him in for an MRI literally when we got off the bus that TJ took him to the hospital for an MRI. The doctors in Detroit looked at it. I believe uh, Dr. Andrews looked at it as well. Uh, and so structurally, uh, from what I understand, nothing is wrong. Uh, and we're just kind of waiting and seeing how the rehab goes. Uh, my hunch is is that what will happen is similar to what we saw with Kyle Funkhauser and Bo Burrows, where they'll probably get him a start at Lakeland, maybe another starter two in Erie, and then he'll find his way to Toledo. Uh, and, and it's unfortunate because he's been flat out dominant, and it's he's a pretty special kid to watch on a daily basis when he's out on the mound. Uh, it's a talent that you know doesn't come around very often, and so I think everyone took a. a big deep breath once they found out that there was nothing too serious. Uh, I'm sure they'll get some second opinions before they have him start his throwing program. But, you know, like I said, in talking to Casey, uh, he seemed pretty confident he was going to be back here pretty soon. We're talking Harry Seawolves here on the Road to Detroit podcast this week. The eerie renovations. Al Avila was yeah. as stern as I've ever seen him talking about the necessity to have some renovations out at UPMC Park. I wanted to know if you could provide us an update on what has happened and what's still in the works for you guys. Yeah, I was pretty pointed when he came in here last year, and you know we were, we were all for him saying what he said because he got the job done. Um, they, Erie Events, who manages the facility, they spent uh, $900,000 to redo the field this offseason. Uh, so you know, not chump change by any stretch. Uh, and they went in and they dug up. So this ballpark was built in a span of an off-season back in 1994 going into 1995. And so they didn't do a proper job way back then of putting together a proper playing surface. And it had been resurfaced in 2008, uh, and then it had been the same field ever since. So they went down and 
you know, the the only thing we didn't find under the field was was Jimmy Hoffa. I mean, <laughs> it, it, they were finding there was an old Sears building that was located on this spot before they built the ballpark. We were finding pieces of foundation. Uh, we were finding pieces of curb from uh, a street that ran under the ballpark in left field. So when you look back on it and thinking, boy, I wonder why that area wasn't draining real well. Well, yeah, because there was a manhole underneath it. Uh, so they they did a great job. New drainage, new irrigation. Uh, the playing surface is fantastic. Uh, it's been able to take the harsh, eerie winter. The grass is filling in quite nicely now. We we literally got it done a day before the first snowfall in Erie uh, back in the fall. And so it was a time crunch to get everything completed. Uh, and so it, it's played very well. You know, it, obviously, anytime you have a new field, you worry about if the roots are going to take, and, and the root system has been great. Uh, and it, it's been fun to watch baseball on a brand-new surface because you're getting nice hops now. You're not getting odd things off the lips. Uh, and so it's, it's been a welcomed sign for everybody in the organization. And, and Alan Trammell was just here the past couple of days, and you know, he was very happy with it. So I think the Tigers are very pleased with what they've seen. Um, after that, we have a new scoreboard going in, uh, and we're going to have actually two new, two new video boards. One's going to be our main HD board, and that's going to go in actually when we hit the road. Uh, and so that's going to be up when the team returns home at the end of June. Uh, we have another 70-foot, 7-foot-high ribbon board that's going to go on the side of Erie Insurance Arena. Uh, and so we'll have two new boards, and then the construction really ramps up uh, in August where they're going to build a new team store, a stadium club, uh, and then once the last pitch is thrown of the 2019 season, uh, then in this place is just going to be an all-out construction zone. New restrooms, new suites, uh, a new beer garden. Uh, so it's going to be impressive to see when it's all said and done. Uh, the state of Pennsylvania gave, uh, gave Erie Events $12 million, uh, and that's going to go towards the project. So it's, uh, it's going to be basically a brand-new ballpark when we step foot in here uh, to start the 2020 campaign. Congrats on hitting the jackpot with the Mize and Manningses of the world, and obviously on 25 years. Go get them the rest of the way. All right, Dan. Appreciate it. A couple of the pitchers in the Tiger system, some of the big prospects, starting to get healthy. And that's been something that we've noticed for some of these Tigers prospects this year is that they've had a bit of a hard time staying on the field. Kyle Funkhauser, still a pretty important Tigers prospect, has been battling injuries here in 2019, but he did get back on the mound at Norfolk for AA Erie. Four innings, two earned runs, two strikeouts. So again, really, as long as he's healthy, I think the numbers are a little bit less important on what Kyle Funkhauser is able to do in that particular game. But Kyle Funkhauser is back, so is Bo Burrows. Making his first start since April 27th, Tigers number 6 prospect Bo Burrows was outstanding for Lakeland in his return to the mound. Four innings of scoreless one-hit baseball, walk two, struck out five, and even more good news today, right-hander Franklin Perez has been activated. He's a top 100 prospect in baseball, and the Tigers simply just need him to throw and get more experience. He's been battling injuries for about a year and a half now, but he was activated to start for single A Lakeland this week against St. Lucie. So a few Tigers pitching prospects starting to get healthy. It's now time for the road ahead. Everything we need to keep track of for the coming week. 
What's what from West Michigan, Erie, Lakeland, Toledo? Well, West Michigan certainly needs some help. The Whitecaps finished the first half 21-48. and That's the lowest winning percentage in all of minor league baseball. So some help coming to the Whitecaps. They sent a few players down to Connecticut. And in return, the Whitecaps are getting two of the three highest draft picks in this year's draft. Second-round pick Nick Quintana, the third baseman from Arizona, is joining the Whitecaps. Outstanding defensive third baseman with a whole lot of power. He'll play third base for the Whitecaps. Meanwhile, the third-round pick of the Tigers, Andre Lipsius, is on his way to West Michigan as well. This is a kid who's been all over the diamond on the infield. Started his college career at first base, then moved over to shortstop. How many guys move from first base to shortstop? Then he went to third. The Tigers have him working out in the middle infield. I think they might have him as an offensive-oriented second baseman. So it looks like he'll get some time at second base and maybe moonlight at shortstop every now and then. But Andre Lipsius, Nick Quintana are coming to West Michigan. Those are two big pieces to help the Whitecaps try to right the ship in the second half. The Lakeland Flying Tigers still trying to get their bats working. They have a three-game series against St. Lucie starting tonight, while Erie begins a three-game home series against the Portland Sea Dogs. That's the Boston Red Sox double-A team. They'll have to shift some things around, given the injury to Casey Mize. Last up, Toledo. And by the way, we should get some all-star nominations for Erie and Toledo any day now. The Mudhens have a three-game series against Lehigh Valley this week. That's the Phillies AAA squad. We're also getting close to Futures game nominations. So we'll keep an eye and see which players, especially if Casey Mize is unable to go, represent the Tigers organization in the Futures game. Coming up next week, we move one notch up the ladder. We're going to Toledo, one step away from the Detroit Tigers. We'll talk to some of the big names in Toledo and what it looks like in terms of guys right there on the doorstep ready to help the Tigers at the major league level. So Toledo's next week. By the way, don't forget, the Road to Detroit now has its own page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you find your podcast. Make sure you go click the button, hit subscribe. Make sure you have access to everything of the latest Road to Detroit. We'll have some games coming up. Looking to do some giveaways this season. You'll have a chance to be a part of everything that is the rest of this season's Road to Detroit. You're about to look at your phone. Find the subscribe button. Click subscribe before you're done putting your phone away. Have access to all of these podcasts going forward. A lot coming up. Obviously, Major League Baseball's trade deadline's not too far away. There's a chance we could have a whole new number of players to talk about come the end of July. So click subscribe on Road to Detroit. Follow along. Don't miss a podcast of the RTD. Thanks to everybody who makes this podcast go. For our producer, Nate Wangler, I'm Dan Hasty. Until next time, this has been Road to Detroit, Episode 5. We'll see you.